0: Hello, everyone. Lucas, the producer here. Just a quick heads up before we start. You're going to hear a lot of Annie and Mac at the beginning of this episode for about 10 or 11 minutes. That's because we had a problem with Kit's audio file. So the first 10 minutes will be the Annie and Mac show. Then you'll hear a bit of a sound and we'll go back to having all three of our hosts. Enjoy the show.
1: I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is I Will Fight You, a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone-cold facts since 1986. Today's fact, Mackenzie likes the movie she imagines when she watches The Raven, and you will too. Listen, we have to
0: explain a couple of things here. I have to explain a lot of things here. You have to explain a whole movie. It is not The Crow. You will (laughs) think it is The Crow starring Brandon. It is not The Crow. It is The Raven.
1: Because a crow is not a raven. A raven is when you look at a crow and say, holy shit, why is that crow so big?
0: Yeah. And the raven has several other iterations, but we're specifically talking about the 2012 version starring Nicholas Cusack. No. It has like a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 40% audience participant. (laughs)
1: It's not Nicholas Cage. It's not Nicholas Cage and John Cusack's like merge baby. It's not their fusion. Flesh merge
0: baby. Oh, God. It's John Cusack, but he looks exactly like Nicolas Cage in this one.
1: The Raven is when you watch The Crow and you say, Oh God, why is this movie so John Cusack? I love this movie. The movie definitely starts out with, like, just white text on screen. On October 7th, 1849, Edgar Allan Poe was found near dead on a park bench in Baltimore, Maryland. The last days of life remain a mystery. Until today! <laughs> <laughs> Did you two know about The Raven before me? Mackenzie, I was there when you first watched The Raven. Yes, you were. Actually, no, I was there the second time you watched The Raven. Because yeah,
0: you and John were like off in Florida getting the wedding ready.
1: Yeah, we were doing wedding shit down at Disney World.
0: Yeah. The thing to know, if you guys have ever read Hyperbole and a Half, especially her issue about depression and like the corn kernel suddenly setting everything off again. I was in a state of depression. Someone suggested you should watch The Raven. I don't know why they suggested this. And I watched it, and the raven was the corn kernel in my life, where I was suddenly delighted again.
1: We came home, and Mackenzie was like, this was at the point when we were all living together, Mackenzie was manic, with joy. She described us a movie, beat by beat. We sat there listening to her, and we're like, we have to see this movie. And then we watched the movie, and it was not the movie Mackenzie had described. It was very similar, but different, as though it was in a mirror universe. Mackenzie's movie was
0: better My movie is better
1: And we're about to find out so, so what we're going to do here Is Mackenzie has such a vastly different version of this movie We're just going to try to tell you what actually happens In the John Cusack 2012 film The Raven And Mackenzie's going to tell
0: us what the better version is I'm going to emphasize certain parts of the film That actually happen in the fucking movie Because <laughs> it would lend to my variation of the movie Which is better
1: It is part of her vision. This is the director's
0: cut. I believe you refer to it affectionately as the Melville cut. We'll find out why. Because I'm going to tell you now, because it's going to help for our discussion of this, that in the actual movie, the killer is this guy named Ivan, who barely plays into the film. He's just a character people basically refer to sometimes. They're like, oh, Ivan's here. He's the typesetter for the local paper. He ends up being the killer. It sucks. It's boring. No one cares about Ivan. Wow, spoilers. Spoiler alert. That's what happens. In my version, the killer is Poe's... Somewhat contemporary, Herman Melville.
1: Yes, Herman Melville,
0: the whale guy. You may say to me, Mac. This is not my beautiful home. In a manner of speaking, yes, they were contemporaries, but Melville didn't even write Moby Dick until after Poe died. And Moby Dick was his first really big work. In fact, the years of Poe's death were when Melville was whaling, and so he was often out to sea. But I say to you, I don't give a shit. <laughs> The very idea of this being the ending to this movie has given me so much delightful, giddy pleasure that this movie, this terrible movie, has skyrocketed and become my number two of all time. This cannot be taken from me. Anachronism will not take this from me. You can't take this from me. Nobody can take this from me. Melville's the killer.
1: Can you tell that Mackenzie has been begging to do this episode for years? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure she rehearsed that? And this isn't just what she has been saying to everyone who will listen for years. I've researched this. Like, look, I just want to put this in perspective. We're talking about when Mackenzie watched this movie. That was when John and I were getting ready for the wedding. That would have been in early 2013. It is the year of our Lord 2020 at this point. Mackenzie has been doing this for seven years.
0: i watched this movie a lot. I own this film.
1: I own this film! So let's actually talk about the fucking movie that happens.
0: Yeah, let's talk about this. We open on some trees and pan down to Edgar Allan Poe. This is going to be the same shot that occurs at the end of the film. Him sitting on a bench with a raven watching him overhead. It's a fucking crow! But they obviously want it to be a raven. Like, they couldn't just get a raven. <laughs> I'm so
1: disappointed that this movie does not have a record scratch and be like, Yup, that's me.
0: You're probably wondering how I got here. We go to our first murder, which is basically in the middle of happening. It's the murder of Rue Morgue, if you read Poe's works. The cops all hurrying on a carriage down the street, and we're we introduced to two of our main cops. I will not remember anybody's names but Poe. No, never. Just to tell everybody now, I never have. I've seen this movie like 40 times. There is the Royal Shakespeare Company cop, who is a famed actor in the Royal Shakespeare Company, and now he's working on The Raven. And there's the heroine brother from Haunting of Hill House. That's all you need to know. Wait, that was him? Yeah, that was him. Holy shit. That is how I know them. In the future, we will also have Detective Hottie and, oh, murder, and Brendan Gleason. They'll come up. But right now, we just have Royal Shakespeare Company actor and the heroine addicted brother from Haunting of the House.
1: Right. They're running down this road and up this building where this lady is screaming, screaming. and is clearly stabbed. Not my daughter! And they're just kind of like waiting outside. Maybe we should just see how this
0: plays out. As they rush up to the store and kind of stare at each other, the door locks because it's a locked room mystery. The murder on Rue St. Morgus. They break down the door and then they find everybody dead. There's a lady that's
1: been strangled or stabbed or whatever. Or her throat's been slit or something.
0: Yeah, and then her daughter's body's up in the chimney.
1: Wait, how many f***ing times did Edgar Allan Poe write about murder and orangutans? <laughs> <laughs> because there was at least another story
0: that he did There was eight chained orangutans. Most importantly, we start on this one because the sailor brought the orangutan. There's a big focus on Murder of on sailors who did the thing. Before the orangutan, is revealed to be the murderer. And they're focusing on sailors because they're like, maybe it's just somebody who came in town for a brief while. Sailors, like Herman Melville was. Great.
1: That's just wonderful. Can we also talk about just the micro movie that I want to happen now, which is Santa Claus doing a whole bunch of murders? <laughs> <laughs> it like It's a locked room. Surely he escaped through the chimney, which I have written in here in my notes in my haste as the chimby. <laughs> and I don't know why that makes me so happy. The chimby! I really want a movie about Santa Claus escaping locked rooms by doing murders because only he <laughs> can go up the chimney. Santa Claus murders. Call me, Hollywood.
0: Call me, Hollywood, about this Melville cut.
1: Meanwhile, we go to our hero. Who's a douchebag. Who is poking a
0: cat corpse. Yeah, he walks up to a cat corpse and he pokes it and he immediately says something poetic. Oh, she was with kittens. The ways of God and nature with providence are not always kind. Oh my God, I was watching this fucking movie with
1: the subtitles on (laughs) because that's the best way for me to take notes. And I was like, everyone in this movie is whispering or screaming, EMILY! All the time. How is Kit going to watch this? I hope there's subtitles. And there weren't? Sometimes it's just Poe
0: waxing poetic about nothing.
1: Yeah, Poe is that douchebag in your MFA.
0: Yeah, he is. And then he finishes off his glass bottle of whatever the f*** it was, probably absinthe or something, and he flings it to the ground dramatically. And then he walks to a bar.
1: I want to point out the fact that he has just poked a random cat corpse. (laughs) We are meant to find him likable and charming and winsomely drunk.
0: (laughs) He's just gothic.
1: So he wanders into a bar and is like, I want brandy. I'm very
0: famous and very broke. And the bartender's like, you haven't paid off your debt, man. And he's like, what? But we're friends. Can we just talk about
1: one thing I really love? This is exactly the kind of movie where I am shocked that everyone isn't just speaking in a British accent for no reason. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's old times. So, naturally, most filmmakers are going to assume that everyone should be speaking in a British accent because it's (laughs) olden times. Like, one or two of them are speaking in a transatlantic accent because they're fancy like that, but everyone else is just doing whatever the fuck English dialect they've got going on.
0: Brendan Gleeson is British.
1: This is just a whole bunch of English actors pretending to have American accents, and they're not doing it good like, say, Hugh Laurie does. They're doing it kind of wrong like Tom Holland does when he sadly says, Mr. Stark. <laughs> Poe has no money at all, and he's like, but I will also buy a drink somehow if anyone can name the poem that I'm about to recite. Yeah. Who knows the poem from the movie title? <laughs> This poem, by the way, does not come up in any way, shape, or form otherwise. No. Even though it's called The Raven.
0: Quoth the Raven! Piss off! And he just keeps screaming it.
1: And that would be much more in line with ravens, honestly. It would be. It's like a ruder version of that whole Simpsons Treehouse of Horror special where they did, "Quoth the raven, eat my shorts.
0: Oh, God. I love that part. So nobody knows how to finish this line, Quoth the Raven. Until he shouts it, like, the second time, and then finally a Frenchman pops up with, Nevermore, it is my favorite poem, uh, Viva la France. And somehow that doesn't
1: count? Like, yeah. this doesn't seem to count in this wager, and he just gets beat up anyway, which, you
0: know, good, good, good. And and, it, and the reason it doesn't count is because the bartender never agreed to it. Poe just kind of said, "Uh, we'll do this, and then he started shouting. <laughs>
1: God, he is just the
0: worst. He is a douchebag. He is
1: absolutely like at least five different guys between my undergraduate and master's studies. Mackenzie can (laughs) attest, she was there.
0: I was there. He is at least five different guys, if not more, like ten. Point out, guys, cis dudes, all of them. Every single one. As Poe's dragged out and shouting things about like impaling testicles on kebabs. Our hero- uh We flash to Detective Hottie arriving on the scene. Detective Hottie being played by Luke Evans, a.k.a. Beast from the live-action Beauty and the Beast. Oh. That's where you know him from.
1: Oh, no.
0: He will forever be referred to as Detective Hottie throughout this. Is he? There's a lot of sexual tension between him and Poe, more than with Poe and Emily. I mean, there is. But we'll get to that. I mean, he's fine to look at, I guess, but Hottie? He's the hottest detective on the force.
1: Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot of competition. Exactly. He's the live-action Beauty and the Beast guy? Yeah, that's him. The one with Emma Thompson?
0: Yep. And the movie does like to focus on his naked chest.
1: I mean, it does, but like... eh.
0: That's all he's here for. He's here for eye candy. He's not my kind of eye candy, but he is technically Detective Hottie.
1: He is someone's eye candy, we have
0: to assume. I have no idea who this movie is for. Me, apparently. (laughs) finally detective hottie shows up inspector hottie he's played by luke evans as kit noted who is the beast from the live-action beauty and the beast remake is he i don't think
1: that's true
0: no it is true
1: i don't want to check i don't want to put any more of the live-action beauty and the beast into my brain than i already have to i know him from the hobbit movies he was also in dracula untold what the fuck is he in the hobbit movies
0: Oh, no, sorry, he was Gaston. He was I lied. Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, there we go. Ah.
1: No, the, I ah. remember because the Beast was some motherfucker I'd never heard of before. Yeah,
0: I, I knew he was in the Beauty and the Beast, and that was the only character I could vaguely remember. <laughs>
1: I still don't like it. I don't have time to get into this. I will go on. Please, please move on without me.
0: Let's move on. Okay. But Detective Hardy shows up and he immediately is able to read the scene perfectly. Oh, whoever gripped her throat had an eight inch grip and their nails are cut in half mid shaft. And if you poke this button, the window springs open so it wasn't actually nailed shut.
1: Yeah, not only is he ostensibly a hottie, but also he has a beautiful, sensitive soul because he reads books.
0: Oh, yeah. And he finds this familiar, and so he immediately recognizes Poe's work the next day. Oh, God.
1: We have to deal with Edgar Allan Poe wandering into somebody's carriage in the middle of the street getting in, and then immediately flirting with an adult-ass woman who seems to be like she's supposed to be a winsome young maiden. I'm not really sure what the movie is trying to do here.
0: So this winsome young maiden is technically called Emily. I will never refer to that. I will always refer to her as, Oh, Maddie! You'll see why eventually. Her and her father, who is Brendan Gleeson, aka Mad-Eye Moody from the Harry Potter series. Oh, okay. She doesn't act like she's upset that Poe's there. She's just like, Oh, Poe, you're here. Um, I yeah, I find you revolting. I guess. Um, I don't know. While she is basically
1: undressing him with her eyes, which is a really weird thing to say about John Cusack. <laughs> it
0: really is it's a weird thing to say about him. Ugh. Brendan Gleeson tells him to get the fuck out and that don't get near his daughter again. And then
1: points a gun at him. By the way, and
0: also definitely don't come to my upcoming costume ball. Yeah. Poe eventually gets out and um, leans out after him, staring winsomely after him. And later she's going to go, I think father's catching on that we're interested in each other. It's like, yes, you literally leaned out the window to stare longingly at him. He knows. (laughs) You're not
1: subtle. No, they're both kind of the worst. They're a very irritating couple. Oh, yeah. There's a
0: better couple in this movie, but we'll keep getting to that. We then flash to the pit in the pendulum happening.
1: Yeah, that's the best way to put it. There is definitely a guy on a table. No, wait, this isn't the pit in the pendulum yet, is it? Yeah, it is. No, this is a guy getting his heart removed. Well, they don't turn the pendulum on
0: yet. But it is preparing for the pit in the pendulum to happen.
1: Yeah, in the meantime, he gets his toes cut off. Oh yeah. Like, I'm only a critic! this dude yells why let me go i'm a critic just in case you didn't know what he did for a living which why wouldn't you but (laughs) exposition exposition i feel like the screenwriter is possibly channeling some frustration with this scene (laughs) (laughs) it's fine we've all fantasized about this it's fine
0: we've all been there we've been on the internet yeah (laughs) We flash then to the Baltimore newspaper editing room where Poe walks in and he's greeted by Ivan, the actual murderer in this film who doesn't deserve to be the murderer. Who's like, Mr. Poe, your clothes and starts fretting over him and taking care of Poe.
1: Okay, so like this dude has, you can tell he's the murderer pretty much after a couple of scenes simply because he is maybe the only character who is not really given a reason to be in this movie, but he is anyway, and people refer to him by name several times as though he's important, but he doesn't really have a personality beyond that.
0: Yeah, that's the only reason you can tell that he's the murderer, because otherwise he plays no part in this film. He's the
1: typesetter, so he's around sometimes when other characters are talking. He's a fucking orangutan is what he is. Yeah,
0: yes. So maybe this movie is more deep than we expected. No, (laughs) but he lets Poe know that his front page article, his review has been switched out for somebody else. And here's another clue that we should have Melville as the killer because Uh Poe starts angrily ranting about how he was replaced by Longfellow, a.k.a. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, famed for Paul Revere's ride. And he starts going on about all these famed poets like Tennyson.
1: At some point... The editor-in-chief does say that, quote, you called Emerson a sad, festering, literary whore.
0: And this is obviously pointing to him having an adversarial relationship with other authors. I think that's a key clue.
1: So this is the kind of stuff that he writes as a fun review. So good news, Edgar Allan Poe in this movie is just an internet comment section.
0: Also, he was actually pretty much this way in real life, too, because he kind of got into an argument with a bunch of people, such as, for example, Longfellow, where... They started as friends, and then over time, he started calling Longfellow an asshole who just plagiarized Tennyson, and at the end of his life, one of his last reviews was about how Longfellow couldn't write worth shit.
1: Actually, come to think of it, it's not that he's in the comments section, it's more that he is one of those YouTubers that, like, just makes videos that are 80 minutes long that are just a close-up of his face as he yells at the camera about how Pokemon <laughs> should be easy to make. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, before there was drama, YouTube, there was this. (laughs) (laughs) The editor-in-chief is like, but your review sucks. Write me a story. Write something that people actually want to read with, like, violence and murder in it. People love blood and death. And he looks directly at the camera. (laughs) (laughs) And this R-rated film.
0: But for further clues towards Melvie, they do fixate on this other author thing for a while. And I think it's a big hint. (laughs) a meta hint if you will but it's a hint Uh Poe tries to say things that are clearly he thinks clever and are supposed to make us as the audience align with him and think he's cool it doesn't happen he's supremely unlikable yeah he is the guy in your MFA. He really is the guy in your MFA. Somehow during this, I don't know if this is literally supposed to be happening at the same time or not, but we go back to the, the pendulum again with the pendulum actually being activated. And we actually watched Ivan walking away from the scene and he was just talking to Poe. So is he actually going back and forth in the scene? If so, how? He does seem to move quickly and no one understands how. I don't know.
1: What it means is that it's not actually Ivan, but
0: Herman Melville is what you're getting at. Exactly. Such as say Herman Melville.
1: I love that the reviewer here is like, why are you doing this?
0: Why? <laughs> what have
1: I done? <laughs> oh, and then we get to watch him very graphically get cut in half, but not as graphically as was it one of the Saw movies where they also had the pit in the pendulum? I've not seen a single Saw movie. It was either a Saw movie or a hostile movie. I know Eli Roth was involved somehow.
0: We then get to graphically switch to Poe dissecting a heart while the best character in the <laughs> movie is present. His name is Carl, yeah, Poe cuts open a heart and talks to a raccoon. The raccoon's name is Carl. Carl is the best character in the film.
1: It's like no wonder you love this movie. Carl is a fully live domesticated raccoon. Yes, it's like Mackenzie. No wonder you love this movie. It's got literary assholes. it's got poetry. It's got, like, a Jack the Rippery kind of murder thing. It's got a raccoon. Exactly! This movie is made for you. I am the only person this movie was made for. That's the only explanation for this. It's just that they botched it on delivery. I can't get over the fact that the raccoon's name is Carl. (laughs) Does this have bearing in anything? Or did they just want to give Edgar Allan Poe a fanciful sidekick?
0: this is actually on the wikipedia and also on the imdb it's literally poe had never had a raccoon they just wanted him to have a fancy sidekick and they decided a raccoon was perfect you have carl <laughs> <laughs> carl for best supporting
1: actor 2012 <laughs> i just wanted him to have a disney princess sidekick <laughs> it's carl <laughs> to make him more likable we can't have the horror writer have a cat. That's too stereotypical. Let's give him a fucking raccoon he found in the trash. <laughs> he needs this trash panda. It makes him look slightly more clean. Oh, I'm so happy to learn that.
0: And literally everybody who shows up at Poe's house knows Carl. They're like, oh, there's Carl. Hey, Carl.
1: Yeah, it goes completely unremarked
0: upon. <laughs> yeah other than oh hey carl how's carl what's carl doing that's, that's it <laughs> where's carl
1: <laughs> speaking of people who walk in yeah. and acknowledge carl yeah.
0: we have oh mad walks in and immediately is like what's carl eating and pose like a heart <laughs> <laughs>
1: Emily's like oh you think you're so clever and then she starts reciting Annabelle Lee (laughs) Annabelle Lee Annabelle Lee this is like her poem she reads it like it's (laughs) a love poem and ignores the last stanza entirely
0: but most importantly for everyone Annabelle Lee is a maiden who lives by the sea who is buried by the sea
1: in a sepulcher a wind came out of the clouds chilling and killing my Annabelle Lee etc etc I have been driven mad by my longing for my Annabelle Lee, my childhood sweetheart, etc, etc. Lying every day by her corpse. Maybe opening the sepulchre and just lying next to her body, etc, etc. It's fine. The ocean
0: is the most important part.
1: Near as I can tell, Emily is like super into the fact that Poe is like this. Like she's only mildly concerned that the raccoon is eating a human heart that he was (laughs) dissecting. Like, I guess there's got to be somebody for everybody. You'd think Fredgar Edgar Allan Poe, would have been his 13-year-old cousin that he married when yeah. she was 13 and he was 27. But she died of tuberculosis two years before this is supposed to take place, so...
0: Which he actually references in the film. Once. Once.
1: They definitely don't say she was his child cousin! Nope. She was his child cousin. I'm trying to remember if that was one of the things in Griswold's memoir that might not actually be true.
0: No, it's it's actually one of the real things. Okay. Griswold's memoir was mostly fixated on how Poe was a drunkard who wandered around and drank all the time and had wild mood swings.
1: Oh, so this movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything about this movie other than that is Griswold's memoir, which is basically a lie.
1: But he definitely married his child cousin who died of tuberculosis two years before this movie is supposed to take place. So keep that in your pocket. Yeah. Anyway, Emily is like, Super turned on by him for no goddamn reason. She
0: talks in a high, wispy voice. I think it's
1: this most romantic thing I've ever heard. I think father has begun to suspect us.
0: I don't know why he would do this whenever all I do is stare at you longingly all the time. You should propose to me, though. She eventually gets to this point where she's like, only be on your knees if you're going to do something with that mouth of yours.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's basically proposed to me- or eat me out, one or the other. I don't have a whole lot of time here.
0: Clock's taken, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Again, John Cusack, gross. Gross. It doesn't really matter. We're going to a scene now where Poe's at a poetry reading.
1: Poe does just sit there and like, oh, okay, let's get married. You are my greatest and only inspiration and not definitely my wife who just died two years ago. We will announce our engagement at the costume ball before the world. Yeah. <laughs> Getting some major swan princess vibes. <laughs> <laughs> a vow of everlasting love until you die of tuberculosis.
0: We flash to a poetry reading where Poe's reciting the Raven again for reasons unknown.
1: It's like a salon or something.
0: A lady who shows up as a background character a few times is there reading her poem called The Butterfly and the Bee, and then Ivan burst in showing himself again and Poe turns and goes, Ivan, just so we know his name, because he's definitely the murderer. Ivan bursts in and is like, we have guests. And then the cops show up, led by Detective Hottie.
1: And can we just, Mrs. Bradley's poem was very nice. She did a good job. She
0: did a good job. Thank you, Mrs. Bradley.
1: And Poe is an asshole. Yeah. He got fixated on the bee getting referred to as a honey-making thing, which, like, he goes into, like, deep, gothic, melancholy, analysis of how it's a symptom of industrialization that everything is reduced to their function and therefore the phrase honey making thing is beautifully horrifying which is the exact bullshit i'd pull in a poetry reading (laughs) ah you (laughs) (laughs) i get bored easily
0: (laughs) detective hottie arrest poe sort of not really
1: It just brings him in for questioning. Yeah. And one of his questions is, why would hair be attracted to a magnet? So this is going to go great.
0: (laughs) So they kind of go back and forth. Nothing is really established other than eventually Detective Hardy is like, as unfortunate as this is, you are uniquely qualified to cast light on our killer, Poe, because he's imitating your stories.
1: Yeah, because there's been another murder while he was in for questioning. So clearly he cannot be the murderer. Or they have discovered a murder or something.
0: They discover the pit in the pendulum guy.
1: Yeah, his name was Griswold. A
0: poet. The mask was covering Griswold's face, I guess. A red mask. A mask of red death, perhaps.
1: Whoa! Ooh, ooh, ooh. There's this bit here where the editor-in-chief is like, as do you think Poe did it? And he says a couple of things that are just ridiculous in that he has apparently just brought this up off the cuff. This is just how he thinks normally, which is... <laughs> I know there was a darkness to Edgar, but it's all up here in his head. Every woman Edgar has ever loved has died in his arms. Um, I don't think that's true. We're gonna ignore that. I believe that God has given him a spark of genius and quenched it in his misery. What? (laughs) Excuse me, what? (laughs) What? Did he just have that? He just had that. He's just like that, I guess. Anyway, there's a quote inside the mask that is like it's the mask of the red death
0: yeah that's basically all it says
1: (laughs) and then they're like there's a mask there's a
0: costume ball and mask of red death is about a costume ball and death coming and claiming everyone's lives we must go see mad eye moody and mad eye moody is like i don't want cops at my party no cops blue lives don't matter fuck off
1: (laughs) (laughs) sonic the hedgehog is the only blue life that matters (laughs) yeah (laughs) It's like, fuck the police. I don't want this to be a policeman's ball. This is a costume ball.
0: Yeah. And Detective like is like, but please, I'm sexy and charming. And he's
1: like, well, I guess you are.
0: <laughs> and so he's like, but I don't want your cops dressed like cops. At least come in costume.
1: Which means they come in full dress uniform, but with a domino mask.
0: <laughs> yeah, basically. Because
1: they're the worst.
0: Yeah, the worst.
1: Meanwhile, we switch to Emily playing piano somewhere, I think in the house. I don't know. Yeah,
0: and, she's like in her house.
1: And also Mrs. Bradley is here. And we focus on Mrs. Bradley, you know, the poetry lady for a second. And she's like, she's so wonderfully full of life. Oh, she's done for. She's dead. Done for. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a
0: shame if someone tried to murder her later. <laughs> pose there, there's a brief back and forth between Mad-Eye Moody and him and Detective Hottie intervening. I just need to say that this movie is bad, but boy, (laughs) these famous actors are trying their hardest, (laughs) guys. They're just doing everything they can. Except John Cusack. John Cusack is just
1: doing whatever the hell he wanted to do, and it ended up being weird and drunk and off-putting, and they were like, film it! (laughs)
0: This seems right to us!
1: Alright, he's likable, I guess. Also, Emily is just a little bit of a freak, it turns out, because Poe is like, maybe we shouldn't admit that we're engaged at a costume party. Your dad would definitely shoot me. And she's like, really? Tell me more. And then what, winky face? (laughs) (laughs) What would you be wearing? What better way for you to prove your love than under the threat of death, etc., etc. She's definitely very goth.
0: (laughs) She is secretly goth. Emily is my soul. (laughs) This is how my soul would be if I was in the 19th century.
1: This is how your soul is now. That's true. Like, Mackenzie, have you seen the way you dress? Sometimes you dress like a 19th century fey creature. You have a lot of capes. How do your roommates cope with you occasionally walking down the hallways in a long nightgown with, like, a candelabra in one hand, wailing?
0: Honestly, he doesn't even react anymore.
1: (laughs) Well, that's because Oscar's room is upstairs.
0: (laughs) There was one time where he got home, and I was just kind of dramatically standing in the hallway in my murder dress. And he just kind of opened the door, stared at me and said, huh, murder dress day, huh? And walked past me.
1: You just kind of adjust to these things when you live with Mackenzie. So we go to the costume ball in which one of the first lines of this entire scene is the editor-in-chief shrugging and saying, time for a piss and leaving the shot. I don't know why that was necessary. Maybe it was an outtake and they just left it in. (laughs) Were we supposed to like assume that he was going to be the murderer because we clearly see him leaving or something? I don't know. We just need to know that not only does he have just like weird poetry about Edgar Allan Poe in his head, but also we need to know about his bowel movements.
0: Yeah. Honestly, most of it is like the cops are talking, it's like spread out, don't do blah, 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 and, and Mad-Eye Moody's like, blah, 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 I hope nothing happens, blah, 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 Emily's standing winsomely up on the balcony staring down and looking sad. And she puts
1: on her teeny tiny domino mask. Weak!
0: Most importantly... we also see a horse galloping towards this.
1: Yeah, we cut to a horse galloping (laughs)
0: somewhere. But most importantly, after there's some back and forth, we see Poe pulling his mask down over his face and then lifting his hand, pumping his fist and going, Nevermore! (laughs) Like some sort of pep talk to himself.
1: After he like pounds a whole flute of champagne. Yeah. Why does he say nevermore? What What does that refer to here? I don't know, but I love it! What does this mean? The movie keeps trying to remind you that the poem "The Raven" exists, despite the fact that <laughs> nothing here has anything to do with the Raven. No, why does he say it evermore?
0: <laughs> he just pops his fist after doubting the, the girl and is like, "Nevermore," and he does it, and I love it.
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, Emily, who is goth as shit, it turns out is talking to Mrs. Bradley. <laughs> She's just reciting Annabelle Lee to some rando. She is that really irritating friend with the douchey boyfriend that she's over the moon for in high school because she thinks he has a beautiful soul.
0: And Poe walks up to her and silently extends her hand. She goes, I'm sorry, I'm waiting for someone. He just leaves his hand out. And then she suddenly realizes, oh, that's Poe because no one else is this off-putting. And she (laughs) gasps and she turns and grasps his hand and they go dance.
1: And we watch this whole freaking dance. Like it's romantic. Like we find these characters winsome and charming.
0: Keep your eyes on Emily during this scene. Oh, yeah. Because she never strays more than two feet away from Poe. But suddenly. Horse guy charges in. He's shot. He turns out to just be a messenger who is like, like, I thought I was hired for this. I
1: love that like a guy on a horse dressed like death charges into this ballroom and starts threatening people. And Brendan Gleeson's immediate reaction is to shoot him. And he hits and it works Even the horse is dressed up Yep. <laughs> he doesn't even hesitate He just, just from the hip Out comes the pistol bang He does not waste any fucking time He's not here for this bullshit
0: Poe is holding on to Emily, they are literally holding on to each other, but then suddenly as the guy is like, but I was hired for this, and Brandon Gleason pulls out a note, he goes, he has Emily, and suddenly Emily's gone. Yeah, I had to like go back and re-watch this. There is a whole thing while the
1: horse breaks up where you sort of see some guy grab Emily and yoink her away, and you hear Poe going like, EMILY, (laughs) which he's going to do for the rest of the movie, every five seconds. It's the only thing you're going to be able to hear him say because the rest of it is muttered. <laughs> then Emily is just gone.
0: <laughs> just in case you wondered, because I haven't addressed this yet, there was no Emily in post life.
1: Oh, absolutely not. No. In no. fact, like, no, he did not remarry or anything.
0: He had some, like, vague affairs, like, with another lady poet. But none of them were with anyone named Emily. No.
1: So we just wholesale made up a winsome young maiden who's secretly a freak. Emily is gone. My daughter, he has her. And then it turns out there's a letter written to the newspaper that's like, Edgar Allan Poe, I challenge you to my (laughs) (laughs)
0: vittles.
1: Oh, God. (laughs) This, by the way, this is the end of Act 1. You would think that Emily would get kidnapped, like, I don't know, at very least the midpoint, maybe in the Act 2 twist or something. But no, this is supposed to be the thing that sets off the whole rest of the movie in motion is Emily getting kidnapped, which is just great. That's our female character, folks. She spends like a full three quarters of the movie underground in a box.
0: Speaking of which, we do snap to her underground in a box and we get the shot of her we're basically getting for the rest of the movie, which is her head, her neck, and her heaving bosom.
1: Yep. (laughs) And also her working a piece of whalebone out of her corset so she can start trying to saw her way out of this fucking casket. Partway through you're like, why isn't this movie about Emily? She actually seems kind of rad here, but no. There's a scene later on where she full-on punches her way out of this (laughs) casket, and I'm like, hell yeah! Yeah. It's so good! Why isn't this the main character of the movie? She fucking
0: punches her way out of casket, holy shit! <laughs> Emily never really shouts or anything. She does like do a hey like one shout or two. But most of the time, whenever she's in the coffin, she mostly talks in her airy, high pitched voice, going, "Murderer, Shut it, Emily, or I'll shut it for you. She's like, <laughs> Okay. okay, okay I'm sorry. Why dost thou want to murder me? <laughs> I don't understand murderer. Murder. This is the <laughs> murderer. Why dost thou want to murder me? That's Emily. This is the part that I felt the most
1: betrayed about when I actually watched this movie, because you <laughs> described this woman going like, Merger, Merger, why does that murder me? And that line was nowhere in this movie, and I was so upset. <laughs> because it is so good. And John and I say it to each other all the same time. Merger, why does that murder me, murderer? So that explains some of the weird conversations. When I was over. There. <laughs> my next note here just says, Let's all go to the cadaver, and my head is trying to put that into Let's all go to the movies.
0: <laughs> we snap to basically an autopsy that a guy's doing with a bunch of students, and he's like, Oh, this guy died of tuberculosis, but then there's suddenly a loud a clap from within the coffin.
1: Right, because they've still got the box here.
0: Yeah. And he pauses and stares down, and they unlock it and open it, and a raven flies out, revealing that this isn't a guy who died of tuberculosis, it's a lady.
1: It's not a raven, it's a crow, it's too small. Yeah, that one. The raven would not have fit in that alongside the lady.
0: <laughs> but they wanted to be a raven.
1: Eventually we come in an inspector and it's like, oh, she was strangled from behind, she must be a sex worker,
0: this must be the mystery of Marie Roger. She was a girl who worked near the quay, oh which is God. by the water. It's key! She drowned. And also notably, actually in the coffin, is a bowline knot, which is often referred to as a sailor's knot. Important it's important about
1: sailing mackenzie yeah
0: it's important about sailing uh-huh
1: uh-huh mm-hmm. huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. interesting so the inspector's like write it all down make it a story for the murderer
0: yeah Poe's writing a story and detective hottie just casually wanders in and it's a scene full of sexual tension yeah these two these two should f-ing make out man
1: yeah it's very definitely like i am the only one who could truly understand you sort of thing it's interesting It's interesting that you're like, these guys should make out because I cannot tell them apart. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, I can barely tell these guys apart. One of them has facial hair, one of them doesn't. And like, this whole thing about them making out and them having sexual chemistry would be way more compelling. Or at least might be less compelling or something. Look, I just think the movie should have emphasized how much of a freak Emily actually
0: is. <laughs> I just want Detective Hottie and Poe to make
1: out. I just—I still have objections to the Detective Hottie moniker.
0: I'm calling him Detective Hottie.
1: I mean, relatively speaking, compared to literally every other person in this entire film, I guess he's marginally more attractive. But it's like you're comparing sacks of dough.
0: I stand by it when referencing this film. <sighs> it's how I know him.
1: If you insist. Anyway, Edgar Allan Poe was like, my wife was singing at the piano when she first coughed up blood. You mean your child cousin? The melancholy followed me all my life until I finally met Emily. You mean two years ago? (laughs) If you met Emily after you mourned your wife, it's been maybe like a year and a half. My dude. My guy.
0: I will not fail her, says Poe. I know that, says Detective Hardy.
1: Then you want them to kiss now. I want them to kiss. We cut back really briefly to Emily, like, uh, scraping da, da, da. away at the box after she has, like, brought up a whalebone course and starts scraping at the wood right at her eye.
0: And she also pauses after her being and goes, ah, da, 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 and then she gets back to it.
1: She's real good.
0: Yeah. She's a freak. She's fine.
1: It's really great because, like, at one point, the guy comes and puts his eye to the hole and is being really creepy, and her response is to jam that piece of whalebone up to try and hit his eye. It doesn't work, but I like it. <laughs> Where's this character been? Why wasn't she on film before? Solid initiative there, Emily.
0: (laughs) We have a flash to the Baltimore paper as Poe shows up with his story. The editor is like, okay, Ivan, come put this in the paper! Because we have to emphasize that Ivan exists.
1: Ivan is here! Ivan, character who is here and doesn't have any reason to be here, put this in the paper. Poe, you've done it again. (laughs) And meanwhile, they realize that... (sighs) Okay. Okay, so what happens here? is it takes them some time for them to realize that the woman in the coffin is not a sex worker, she is an actress, because her hands were covered in stage blood. So what they have to do now, at this very moment, as soon as they realize it, is march right up to the theater, which is playing Macbeth... It is currently in the middle of Macbeth. It is on the latter half of Macbeth because they're in the middle of the out spot soliloquy from <laughs> Lady Macbeth. They march into the theater, right up to the stage, as the play is going, and demand to search the theater and see all the stagehands. Yep. Yeah, I don't know how they reached this conclusion. I thought it was maybe lost in the dialogue I didn't hear. No! no. just, it just happens. happens. So they just swat the theater for no reason. Yeah. Yes. And it has to be done right now. It can't just wait for another, like, I don't know, 30 minutes. I'm pretty sure at this point in the play, the wood is already marching toward Dunsinane. We're on a downward slope here, folks. And the best part is that you have, like, multiple theater people referring to the play as Macbeth, which you don't do. Right? (laughs) You do not do that. The stage manager here is like, can you guys not do this later? We're we're like we're almost done here. We have a play going on right now. So a cop points a gun in his head and cocks the gun, and we just linger on the guy who is now shit himself, and we look at him shitting himself. What? <laughs> also, it's good to know that Baltimore police have always been like this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nothing really happens at the playhouse. It's just the scene that happens. And here's the other weird thing:
1: while they search all the stagehands who are like. Dude, we have seven minutes till scene change. What are you doing? The play is going on again. (laughs) They restarted the play with no stagehands. What if they restart the play? They could have just stopped it while they searched the theater because it's not like they're trying to be quiet. Nope. We have a
0: chase scene in the catwalks with Poe yelling, Who are you? Tell me your name! Most notably, as they're interviewing all all the stagehands, they do learn that several of them are sailors. Again, I just want to point that out.
1: (laughs) Also, one of the stagehands is missing, Maurice. Maurice. You know, he's off. He's off taking his invention to the to the science fair. Except he got waylaid at the beast castle. It's fine. (laughs) So Poe does this huge dramatic chase scene in the rafters where, like, the guy might be there, he might not. The scene doesn't really matter. Except that his loaded gun falls out of his pocket, lands on the stage, and goes off. And naturally the crowd panics. The play is still going on down there. I don't understand why he's running around screaming. Why is the play still happening? I don't understand. At some point they wander around and they find a tongue. With a feather. And they're like, oh, this is clearly from the story of the facts in the case of M. Valdemar. <laughs> I guess.
0: And suppose like, but his tongue wasn't cut out, but whatever.
1: So this scene doesn't really matter. We don't really learn anything here.
0: But heroine brother from Haunting of Hill House does eventually run in and go, Poe, there's been an accident, and we flash to his house being on fire.
1: They don't even really tell us that this is his house that's on fire. We just see him outside a burning house, and later someone hands him a bag with a raccoon in it. So we're like, oh, this must be his house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Poe casually says another one of his lines, "'A damnation on earth, hell's brimstone is food consumed from birth in solitude.'" And a firefighter
1: is like, is this your raccoon?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, yes, I recognize his voice.
1: He is so unlikable. (laughs) He's so deeply unpleasant.
0: Honestly, the best part of this scene is as Poe walks away in the fog, we can hear the raccoon making noise. <laughs> I'm
1: upset that, like, we have this bag full of raccoon that's not really a bag full of raccoon. It's a bag full of laundry with a raccoon voice being added over an ADR. We don't see the raccoon anymore in this movie. Yeah, the raccoon's just gone from the movie from this point forward, and I'm very sad.
0: Carl's gone. I'm deeply disappointed.
1: But you see, stage animals are very expensive, and they have a lot of horseback chases later. <laughs> Right, they swapped out the raccoon for a couple of horses. That's the point when we come back to, like, Emily. She is scratched a hole through the coffin, the boot steps on the hole.
0: We get a weird focus on Ivan's lips as he licks them loudly with for ASMR. Oh,
1: it's bad. Oh, ugh. it's so gross. She's like, why are you doing this? Please let me out.
0: Why do you murder me? I can't. Yes, you can. Please, I'm so cold.
1: Why are you doing it? Please don't let me die in here then she tries to stab him in the eye. It's very good. It's real good.
0: And then we flash to post staying with detective Hottie where there's only one bed and they're roommates. <laughs>
1: oh my god, they were roommates. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the inspector
1: has like such incredible feats of logical deduction such as I've learned in order to find a needle in a haystack, you need to go through the hay. <laughs>
0: Excuse me, sir? (laughs) This all culminates in him going, what else would you have me do, Poe? Run around Baltimore screaming her name? And Poe just kind of stares and is like, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. And lightning
1: crashes and we cut to a strange man in a hat outside. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. It's
0: basically Liam Neeson's The Dark Man from the 1990 film written and directed by Sam Raimi.
1: I don't know this film. It felt like you were about to say, it felt like Liam Neeson's The Dark Man from the 1990 film The Dark Man. (laughs) That's what I thought it was going to be and I'm really disappointed now. (laughs) And then they're like, oh my god, this all relates to the cask of Amontillado because of a ship name or something. I don't care. (laughs) There are no catacombs in Baltimore, but there are tunnels. There are waterworks.
0: The waterworks.
1: Which is just a nice way to say sewers. So now they're going to run through the sewers.
0: They go to the sewers, there's this big whole thing about I'll blow my whistle, we'll all instantly shout Emily's name and then there will be ten seconds of silence where we listen for even a pin to drop.
1: Yeah, it's all a very good plan and then the cops proceed to completely fail to do that. (laughs) I also really don't think that they wanted Poe to demonstrate how to shout Emily. They're like, this is how we'll do it, but he does. He's like, Emily! (laughs) And then we have to listen to him yell Emily a lot. He shouts it the same way every time. How does he do that? (laughs) It's definitely not even like 80 yard. It's like, it is just him shouting Emily in the exact same unpleasant way. (laughs) Emily! (laughs) (laughs) Like, he says it as though he is heaving up his guts. This whole thing is like a bowel movement. Like he's about to barf. (laughs) Anyway, the cops all fail immediately
0: at doing literally any of that. But no worries, they actually do find someone dead in a wall. We cut to like several characters just sort of like picking through brickwork. The most important part is this is Maurice the Sailor. And the next clue they have is a sextant tattooed on him that involves navy longitudinal and latitudinal coordinates. Oh god. Such as yeah. Herman Melville might use. <laughs> Also, the
1: stagehand is dressed up like Emily, like he found a wig and everything. Yeah.
0: Also, Detective
1: Hottie briefly sees the killer and chases him through the tunnels, but then the killer gets away and there was no, really no purpose to that whole sequence.
0: There wasn't. There, there's no purpose to about 50% of these scenes. It's the same
1: way that there's no purpose to like the lightning crashing and there's a strange man outside because he's in the exact same, like, I guess this is just his crimes outfit. It's, it's the dark man outfit there must have been a guy with a fistful of money who watched a test screening of the movie and was like I don't feel the killer's presence enough (laughs) and then they had to reshoot
0: if you google Liam Neeson dark man and you see the guy in rags and a hat and overcoat that's the guy I'm not going to google this here I'll just link you an image Annie
1: okay fine there you go Thank you for enabling my laziness. You're welcome. I mean, the hat needs to be bigger and flopsier.
0: Yeah, but that's basically him. If you insist.
1: The killer has given us the location of Emily, the only person they know that could possibly have, like... The Celestial Almanacs. Right, the Celestial Almanacs is Mr. Hamilton himself, Mad-Eye Moody... And then they have this whole intense research sequence where they explain what you need to do to find coordinates.
0: And in the actual movie there is this arc where finally Mad-Eye Moody acknowledges Edgar kind of as an equal and lets him have some alcohol and nods and allows him to work alongside him.
1: Okay. It kind of sucks. It kind of sucks.
0: It kind of sucks.
1: And you could tell that the writer just did a lot of research on naval coordinates and felt (laughs) the need to show off. Absolutely, because there's a lot of exposition for how to solve this specific clue that doesn't yeah. really matter.
0: <laughs> what matters is eventually they find that it points to St. Croix. In the West Indies. But he couldn't have gotten immolated there and, and posed like, St. Croix, that means Holy Cross, no, that's doesn't. that's a church! Oh, it must be our specific parish. They all ride out
1: to this church in the middle of nowhere, where they all split up and search for clues. And also the murderer is just on the roof. It is Crime's outfit.
0: It's in his Dark Man outfit and he leaps down and chops hair on brother's throat and dashes off into the woods. I need to note that this is where finally there's this is thirty minutes from the end. This <laughs> is where my movie completely deviates from the <laughs> So uh.
1: how this scene actually goes on film <laughs> is The murderer ninja jumps down and slices a cop's throat and there's a high-speed chase on horseback while Edgar Allan Poe is yelling, your name, you coward, who are you? Which is a great way to find out someone's personal deets.
0: (laughs) And in my reality, that does happen. Uh We just add two words to Edgar's dialogue and we add some dialogue to the murderer, which is Edgar goes, tell me your name, you coward. And the fleeing... Herman Melville calls over his shoulder, I would prefer not to. <laughs> <laughs> and then Edgar Allan Pope shouts, Who are you? And this is when we get the big reveal. He turns, Herman Melville does, and as he rips off his dark man costume, he shouts, Call me Ishmael! Oh, God. <laughs> What follows is Poe going, Herman Melville, because no one recognizes Herman Melville on sight. <laughs> and they have author fights for the rest of the thing until Poe dies. Okay. But I'll go into a little bit more detail. I do have some more details. Yeah,
1: I do want to know what the f author fight is later. Of
0: course. But we're going to briefly get away from my good version and go back to the actual film.
1: Right. Kid, have you recovered? How you doing? Mackenzie, I don't see how this is the good version. <laughs>
0: The the good version is my version. It's it's just good.
1: (laughs) That's how you can tell. the version that Mackenzie has. That's how you can tell which one is good. (laughs) What actually happens is the murderer gets away. And meanwhile, the inspector finds a freshly dug grave in the cemetery for Emily with, like, the date of her death. And nobody thinks to dig this up and check. Nope. Nobody wants to make sure that there's actually a body there. They're just going to take it on faith. Later, they refer to it as an open grave, but we never actually see that the grave is open. We just see the little wooden cross that has been put in there as a headstone. Hamilton and Poe apologize to each other and bond over the fact that Emily is definitely dead now, apparently. Uh Uh-huh. No one's gonna check. (laughs) Meanwhile, the inspector has gotten shot, and he is like, Ugh. You have to get this bullet out of me. They're going to kill her today. And this is probably the part where Mackenzie starts talking about how hot he is because he's shirtless here because he's getting a bullet taken out.
0: I don't necessarily like the guy. It's just they focus on how shirtless and beefy he is. And it's like, oh, clearly he is the hottie of this film. Beefy? He's got, like, fucking muscles. I don't know. He has some. It's not my type.
1: I'm so...
0: My type is sickly and looking near death.
1: Yeah, your type is Cillian Murphy?
0: Yeah. And his name's Killian, thank you.
1: Sorry, my bad. (laughs) Your husbando is the scarecrow from Batman. He is. Poe sits down and he writes out the story of how Emily died or something. He's taking a lot of liberties with what actually happened, which is weird because I thought that was what he wasn't supposed
0: to do. He's basically saying that he gives his life for hers is what he's writing.
1: Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna drink poison, something, something. It's fine. Meanwhile, this is the point in the movie where Emily has punched her way through the coffin. (laughs) (laughs) This is like some Kill Bill shit. I know! You see her fist emerge from the ground and it's like, fuck yeah. (laughs) And then she gets recaptured immediately. (sighs) Literally within like 10 seconds. She doesn't even make it out of the room. The murderer's just there and gives her some chloroform and it's really just upsetting. Because again, she is covered in dirt, having punched her way out of a coffin through a hole that she has made by scraping at it with a whalebone from her corset. This is rad as hell. This is rad as hell and she is a weird goth freak. <laughs> Why isn't this movie about her?
0: Why isn't this movie about her? Because we have to flash back to Poe. Getting home where his maid's like, hey, here's your paper, also this note. And he's like, why is the paper not wet? Oh, it must have been delivered after the rain. But the rain was at this time. Blah, 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 blah. Oh.
1: And the maid doesn't care.
0: It is someone at the newspaper.
1: There's this entire back and forth with the maid that we'd never seen before. It's just basically the fox chicken grain puzzle, but with a note, (laughs) the newspaper, and the rain. As they're trying to figure out in which order each of these events happened. (laughs) Which eventually leads to the conclusion that, oh. The killer got the note before the paper went out. He works at the paper. (laughs) And the worst part is that we have this whole reveal, and then we have to do the same thing with the inspector, so he also figures it out too, but in a different way. I'm not sure how he figured it out, because the chain of events here is that he's shot, so the doctor has to get a magnet to find where the bullet is, despite the fact that lead is not ferromagnetic. (laughs) And then later, as Luke Evans, Detective Hottie, is trying to, I don't know, leave, I guess? He knocks over a (laughs) bottle of ink and he sees that the ink is attracted to the magnet. And from that, he comes to the conclusion that the killer works at the newspaper, I guess? (laughs) Yeah,
0: because he's like, this is printing ink! Yeah, you didn't
1: miss anything. This is straight up just how his logic happens. Yeah. Okay. I was very confused. You are right to be confused.
0: We go to Poe arriving at the newspaper office. He thinks, of course, it's the editor and the editor's unmoving and he just keeps yelling at him and then finally the light comes on and the editor's dead and there's a note in blood that says, getting warmer!
1: And then he's like, the only other character in this movie with the name who works here, Ivan!
0: So Ivan greets him with a maniacal laugh.
1: Let's have a drink, I'm your biggest
0: fan. Man. It could be no one, Mr. Poe, other than your humble typesetter and biggest fan. Where is Emily? You don't want to hear my villainous monologue? Where is she? I always had a fancy for poison. Since how I've done my dad, I'm a murderer. Yeah, he has a whole shtick
1: here, and it's real bad. In whose world do we exist now, Edgar?
0: Mine or yours? I gotta say, that would honestly be a really great line for Herman Melville to say. Oh, God. Just because imagine, it would be, is it mine or yours, Edgar? Edgar, yours is the world of horror and darkness. Mine is the world of discovery and daily mundanity covering ten chapters <laughs> of wailing. <laughs> deep man it would be so totally deep because melville wins of course by killing poe which means that technically the mundanity and all the wailing details win but really murder (laughs) but really murder so poe wins too so
1: so you're saying this movie is actually the fall of the american gothic movement and the dark romantics in favor of the more realist trends exactly
0: yes but only if my melville cut makes it
1: what is this movie actually about otherwise? I don't know. So they have this whole long conversation where Ivan just sort of monologues at him and Poe drinks a poison because otherwise he won't tell her
0: where Emily is. Ivan responds by just quoting one of his stories, the Telltale Heart, back at him. And then he's like, anyway, I'm off to murder Jules Verne. Goodbye. <laughs> oh. Oh,
1: she must be under the floorboards, and while he has been like barely able to keep his feet, he then like
0: gets better for the rest of this scene. Long enough to save Emily.
1: It comes in waves, and also I'm very confused because like Poe has to tear up the fucking floor twice to get at Emily, but for some reason Reynolds Ivan the typesetter has just been able to come and go as he pleases. Has he just been reboarding the floor every time he goes down into that creepy murder basement? Yeah, it's entirely possible. If he finds a trapdoor, he wanders down he discovers where Emily's coffin is buried because he reburied Emily which sucks pulls her out of the coffin as though that whole scene where she punched her way out never happened and he's like I love you and she's like you saved me
0: you saved me you said you would marry me you're married and posts like this life next you said you would marry me Edgar we're going home you did
1: mean it and so this man who is near death poisoned body is shutting down carries her upstairs and then as soon as they put her in a gurney just kind of wanders off just sort of wanders off and they're like poe is missing no he just like wandered down the street or something yeah. he cannot move that fast you could find him if you went looking
0: he's in like a nearby park i guess yeah he sits on a bench an old guy walks up and is like are oh, you a girl and po? you don't look well tell
1: fields his last name is reynolds Because this all has to revolve around the fact that Edgar Allan Poe was heard ranting about someone named Reynolds before he died.
0: Supposedly. Though also, there's actually another variant. The doctor who claims that he was talking about Reynolds wasn't exactly Mm -hmm. trustworthy, but he changed it a few times to what he'd actually said. He he also claimed that it was something with an H, like herring. H. Herman. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Stick with me.
1: Anyway, it's all very weird because this character has exclusively been referred to as Ivan throughout the movie. And the fact that the clue that a dying man would need to pass along is his last name is Reynolds. It's not what it seems. It's not what it seems all over again. (laughs) The wizard's a bat! The
0: wizard's (laughs) of (laughs) bat! The great animal! Callbacks! And then he dies and... We see Detective Hardy, like, staring at him sadly. And he's like, he said something. And, and the doctor's like, he was saying that your name is Reynolds. Isn't that funny? Ha ha. And Detective is like, oh, I see. And then we cut to Paris. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we see Poe being carried off or something. As we hear, like, all that we see or seem was but a dream within a dream. Or do we actually go for some Poe shit there?
0: Yeah, it's some Poe shit.
1: Okay. What is the Poe shit? I don't remember.
0: Uh, it's all that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. I stand. It's It's a long poem. It's only like two verses, but you know it's long enough. Yeah. And then it's at the end, he basically says, Always see your dream within a dream.
1: Yeah, and then we cut to Paris, where Mr. Reynolds, that's his name, remember that's his last name, Reynolds, <laughs> is off to his carriage in Paris. But in the carriage. This is
0: Detective Hottie ready to shoot him?
1: How did he get here faster? Well, Jules Verne's involved. Maybe there was a hot air balloon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Probably. Slash to our credits, which are sung by Uncle. The emo band. It's a
1: techno remix of Burn My Shadow by Uncle.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And also we learned that one of the writers was named like Emily Shakespeare or something.
1: Jesus Christ. And also that like this is 2012. So like everyone was like, oh, the Marvel movies have cool artistic end credit sequences. Every single movie (laughs) should have a cool artistic end credit (laughs) sequence. So this one involves like a bunch of shattered glass in the shape of a raven, despite the fact that there were no ravens and no shattered (laughs) glass throughout this entire movie. I don't know why it looks like this. The company they hired to do this must have just shown a bunch of possibilities and then they're like, that one looks cool. (laughs) Let's do that one. Does it tie in thematically? No? Okay. That was the one they threw in to poison the well so they would actually pick the one that the company wanted to do, but unfortunately (laughs) they picked picked the sucky option and then they had to do it. (laughs) I have been here. I have done this. It never works. (laughs) They Ah. always pick the bad option. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I seem to have gone on a rant. (laughs) I blacked out for the last three minutes. What were we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely relatable problems. (laughs) Now, Mackenzie, do you have any other supporting evidence or any other stories about your film?
0: Well, I happen to think that all the evidence pointing to sailors pointing to sailors, knots, all of it does point clearly to Herman Melville. Of course, And I would clearly. like to say after the call me Ishmael reveal, mm-hmm. my variation, while it would end in that conversation about, is it my life or yours, where we can talk about the difference between mundanity and, and it's really deep. Uh-huh. English majors love it. <laughs> between those two points, all I want is a fight where they both say things relevant from their works (laughs) as things that are happening.
1: Okay, so this is what you meant by author fights. Yeah,
0: such as, for instance, there's a point where in one of Melville's works, he says, truth uncompromisingly told will always have jagged edges. That'd be a perfect time for a stab. (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong.
1: Are you gonna bring up From Hell's Heart I Stab at Thee or not?
0: Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course, From Hell's Heart I Stab at Thee.
1: And then Poe shoots back with something about, like, the telltale heart or something.
0: Yeah, exactly. Poe can talk about, as the church bells ring in the distance, he can reference his poem, The Bells. Oh, God. And we have Melville over here. As Poe doesn't recognize him, of course. He's not an established author yet. He goes, not one man in five cycles who is wise will expect appreciative recognition from his fellows from Bartleby the Scrivener. It's all there. It's all there. It's all there.
1: I really, really want Jules Vernon on this, too. <laughs> It, this sounds like a sketch from The Simpsons, Mackenzie.
0: <laughs> That's fine. After Melville, of course, kills Poe, Melville can get on his whaling ship to go to, to France. His whaling ship? His whaling ship.
1: The one he owns.
0: And he goes to France and the ending, we could have like an end credit scene. This is Marvel Times, kids, right.
1: Yeah, we, we can have an Avengers initiative.
0: Shit. Yeah, where we see Melville staring at a man and the man will quote something from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And Melville will smile to himself and then turn and look at the camera like Judy Dench at the end of Cats and go, (laughs) Truly, to enjoy bodily warmth, some small part of you must be cold, for there is no quality in this world that is not what is merely by contrast. Nothing exists on itself. And then we fade out to the ravens.
1: Okay, but is there anybody like weirdly just sort of acting with their face and doing weird face shit right behind him as he's saying this?
0: You can see Jules run in the background doing shit, it's fine.
1: <laughs> like licking his lips and
0: shit? <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh god. Why did you have to bring up Dame Judy Dench's persona staring at the camera and into my soul?
0: Because I wanted Herman Melville's fursona staring into my soul. What's what Herman, Herman Melville's persona?
1: It's a whale, isn't it?
0: <laughs> a whale.
1: No, a whale's too obvious, right?
0: Hold on, whale-sona.
1: Oh, don't Google it.
0: I've already Googled it.
1: <laughs> I mean, you're not really looking up a whale soda, You're just looking up a fursona that's a whale. Oh my god, I love it. It's usually orcas, I would imagine.
0: It is an orca. Yeah. Orca bleeding stripes.
1: I don't want to know. Let's finish this episode. <laughs>
0: that's my ending that's my variation Ivan doesn't even exist it's actually Herman Melville the whole time
1: honestly the Raven is a piece of garbage this is a much better movie (laughs) I don't know that it's a good movie but it's much better can we recast John Cusack
0: yeah of course I'm not attached. Now, I know this
1: is your movie. I just have some notes. Can we expand Emily's role a little?
0: Yeah. Can we also recast her? I'm not a big fan of Alice Eve. Fine.
1: I just want her to actually punch somebody. Maybe actually stab somebody with whalebone. Whales! Whales! (laughs) Yeah, the fact that it's Herman Melville, I think it gives her more license to stab somebody with whalebone. Exactly. Yeah, that can be the from hell's heart. Yeah, like maybe Herman Melville's winning the fight with Poe and then Alice Eve comes up from the back and stabs him with like a bit from her whaleborn corset.
0: Can we actually replace Alice Eve with Kristen Stewart? Yeah, yes. actually, yes. Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. And then meanwhile, Emily goes off to become a famed whale hunter and she starts calling herself Ahab. Maybe. Well,
1: maybe not whale hunting.
0: Yeah, maybe something else.
1: Maybe she hunts whale hunters.
0: Or maybe she hunts Melville.
1: Yep, getting revenge. Yeah, hunting Melville. That way we have an opening for a sequel. And she's the main character of the next one.
0: And Poe, meanwhile, just gets with Detective Hottie.
1: And she hooks up with Jules Verne, who is also hot at something. Yeah, there we go. Okay,
0: okay, okay. I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. But can Jules Verne be Julie Verne? Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> I think we're on to something. I think we should rewrite this. Let's contact Universal. Let them know. <laughs>
1: They were putting out the Dark Universe. They'll fucking publish anything. Ah, uh, they won't make a gay, though. That's right, they are cowards. They That's made The true. Mummy with Tom Cruise. Can we do an I Will Fight You episode about how every two months Disney announces their first gay character? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's go down the list and rank them.
0: <laughs> that guy who appears in the shot for two seconds.
1: New gay LeFou.
0: How about this guy who appears in the shot for two seconds?
1: Those two girls who kiss at the edge of the screen at the last Star Wars movie. <laughs> Gay cop. <laughs> yeah, that should be good. Let's let us put that on the list. <laughs> okay.
0: Anyway, a movie companies, movie production companies, please contact me. I will write the script.
1: She has an MFA.
0: I have an MFA. She can do it. Any electronic writing, I can do it.
1: This is a passion project because what Hollywood loves right now is putting money into passion projects.
0: And mine, at least, has a demographic of English majors who will be vaguely confused but amused. <laughs>
1: and we make it gayer.
0: There are a lot of English majors out there, and if I make it gayer, they're gonna love it. Call us. Slide into my DMs. Annie, what's your final fact?
1: My final fact is that any movie that has a woman who punches her way out of a grave and does not immediately pivot the entire film to revolve around her, especially when she tries to stab somebody with a whalebone, is a fundamental failure of a film. <laughs> Kit, what's your final fact? Make it gay, you goddamn cowards. At some point, you're going to have to pick a different fact. No, it's the same one every time. (laughs) Mac, you have brought us this movie. This is your baby. This is your darling. This is your beautiful child that will become gayer all the time. What is your final fact?
0: consider the subtleness of the sea (laughs) how its most dreaded creatures glide underwater unapparent for the Uh most part and treacherously hidden beneath the loveliest tints of azure consider also the devilish brilliance and beauty of many of its most remorseless tribes Mm -hmm. as the dainty embellished shape of many species of sharks Mm -hmm. consider once more the universal cannibalism of the sea all whose creatures prey upon each other carrying an eternal war since the world began Herman Melville's better than James Joyce (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mackenzie
1: i love you <laughs> i'm so glad we're friends <laughs> thank you for this gift mackenzie <laughs> You're welcome. i don't know how we could possibly do any more to convince you that mackenzie's movie is better than the actual movie <laughs> if you walk out of this episode unconvinced then i'd uh, make god have mercy on your soul
0: go watch the raven and tell me i'm wrong
1: you don't have to please don't
0: watch the raven <laughs> you don't have to Honestly, I would find it hilarious if you did, just so suddenly there's a spike in people renting the raven and Universal's like, what the fuck is going on?
1: Okay, Mackenzie, you know for a fact there would not be a spike in people renting the raven. There would be a spike in people renting the crow. <laughs> so tune in for our next episode on the crow. <laughs> Join us next time when we bring you the absolutely incontrovertible fact that neo from the matrix is a lesbian that's right we're actually going to finally get back to our what is no, coming up to sort of beat of our lost episode about the matrix with ali stock she's been very patient she <laughs> happened <Man>. you guys <laughs> it's been a year it's it's been we're fine it's fine how are you I Will Fight You is produced by Lucas Brown of The Math of You, which you can find on Twitter at The Math of You. Don't worry about it. Just look it up like that. You can also find Lucas at Locified on Twitter. We are coming out when we can. We're aiming for a bat every five weeks. Don't hold us to that. We love you, but it's fine. We're fine. How are you? I've been saying that way too much today. Yeah, you have. You've just been defaulting to Han Solo in a way that seems fine. <laughs> It seems fine. Everything's
0: fine. (laughs) We do have other shows that come out more regularly, at least. You can rely on those.
1: If you want to check out our other shows, you can do that at our website, which is crookedrussiancam.horse. That's crookedrussiancam.horse. So you can find information about our other shows, such as Gem Jammer, our spelljammer actual play show, which comes out every two weeks. And you can also find information about our other show, Date Me, Damn It, our Atome game video series, which is real good and comes out every two weeks as well. So once a week on Fridays or so, you're usually getting something from us. We're sorry about that, (laughs) that you have to deal with all of our content. I think it's good. (laughs) Hashtag content. I don't know. Everyone else here seems to disagree with me, but I think it's fine. (laughs) I think it's fine. Hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll have wrapped up our six-month Halloween special (laughs) on Jem Jammer. I think I need to come up with one more holiday for April. (laughs) April Fool's Day. No, April Fool's Day is too easy. And plus it might pay me we to think we're actually doing an April Fool. I'm thinking Arbor Day. I like Arbor Day. Arbor Day. Join us next time when we'll bring you another absolutely inarguable fact because that's what we do here. Until next time, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And we have fought you. Wait, also give us money. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Either at patreon.com the g- slash the gym Jam or ko-fi.com slash... I can't remember what our ko-fi is.
1: Crooked Russian there cam. we are on Twitter at CRC Podcasts. I know what I'm doing here. I promise you. Bye. 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 We fought you. you. Punch, (laughs) pal.
0: Where's
1: my mouse? The clue that a dying man would need to pass along is his last name is Reynolds. It's not what it seems. It's not what it seems all over again. (laughs) The wizards are bats. <laughs>